Welcome to Made by Me, a podcast about mental health, entrepreneurship, manifestation, and magic. My name is Kaliska Sweetwater, and I am a jeweler living in New York, trying to understand as much as possible about myself and the nature of reality. Today, I want to talk about conscious consumerism. This is a topic that has been ever-present in my life since I was maybe 14 or 15, and I discovered that in the production of chocolate, there is still to this day, even though this happened 10 years ago, this is still happening today, um, there is significant use of child slavery in the cacao production that goes into every single Hershey bar, anything that's not fair trade, there's no way to be certain that a child slave did not harvest that chocolate. And ever since learning that information, it just completely broke my brain open and it made me think about consumerism differently and the fact that every single thing that we buy, it has a lifetime to get to us and a lifetime after we discard it. Definitely that is a heavy anecdote to begin with, so I want to really preface that there is no ethical consumption under capitalism, but I really believe in the ethos of don't do nothing because you can't do everything. And for me, conscious consumerism is really just focused on the word conscious. Just being aware and making decisions intentionally is what this is about. It's not about being perfect because perfection doesn't exist. There is no way to make a perfectly ethical decision every time we open our wallets, but being aware of the choices that we are supporting with our dollars, I think is one of the most radical things that we can do as individuals on a day-to-day basis. And I think it's really important to be educated as much as possible on how our product is reaching us and be aware when we open our wallets that that's what we're supporting. The way that I think about being aware of the choices that we're making, oftentimes it comes down to just understanding how consumerism works, like the basic math that goes into a product, right? Because in America, we don't pay the true cost for basically anything. Everything is subsidized in some way or another, and oftentimes the cost is paid by not paying someone else. So what I do is basically I reverse engineer the math on any product and I try and gain awareness of the brand that I'm supporting. Have they had issues come up? Most of this stuff is widely publicized, but it just gets brushed to the side because of the way that the pricing structure is. Like a lot of people can't afford to make the ethical choice. And so the news kind of washes it away. But if you do a quick Google search, you can easily pull up information on different brands and see if they pay a living wage to their workers, if they've had lawsuits come up, any sort of significant controversy is going to pop right up to the top of your page. But before you get to that point, um, there's some basic math that you can consider. So if I go into a store and I see a t-shirt, for example, and the t-shirt is $3. I instantly know that something is going wrong here, like to a significant degree, because I'm standing in a mall in Manhattan, New York. I know that that $3 barely will cover the cost of rent. 
This does not cover the employees who are selling me the shirt, the shipping that it took the shirt to arrive there, the materials that went into the fabric, the dye that went into the fabric, and then the cost of someone sewing the shirt. Something that a lot of people don't know is that there are no machines that make clothing. Every single piece of clothing has to be made by a physical person. This is not something where we're like, oh, it's $3, it was cranked out by a machine. No, someone sewed that item. It is not possible for machines to do this work at scale at this point in time. Every single piece of clothing is handmade. What this means is that whoever made this shirt would have been paid pennies or possibly nothing. A lot of fast fashion brands have had significant controversy for actually not paying their workers at all and not having safe working conditions for them in the factories. This is basically, I don't know, I think a lot about how the conditions were in like the early 1900s in America during the Industrial Revolution. This is happening all across the globe and people who want to have cheaper production outsource to countries where this is happening now and take advantage of the lack of worker protections and the fact that money is going to basically control this immoral production to continue, um, I think probably permanently. And there's a lot of controversy around using um, workers in concentration camps. There was a significant controversy around the uh, Muslim community, the Uyghurs, are being used to produce fast fashion in the concentration camps. And I think that when we see this $3 price point, we say, oh, that's such a great deal. But we, we can just do that simple math and think about the costs that took it to get there and really think about, okay, obviously something has gone wrong. This is not an okay price point because whoever's getting paid is not getting paid enough and probably the only people who are getting paid are the stockholders, let's be honest. And any company that's gone public is incentivized by law to keep their costs as low as possible. So once a company has hit these margins where they can sell a t-shirt for $3, they can't really legally do it any better way because they're going to lose their shareholders' money, and that is illegal. So these are some really quick calculations we can do. I'm not a math person, maybe you're not a math person, but just having an understanding that every single product that you are going to come across, and this isn't only clothing, this is also food, this is also ceramics, this is also furniture, right? Like every single transaction that we make has this formula, right? Raw products, and then the raw products are shipped to somewhere where they're processed then the processed product is probably shipped again somewhere where it's assembled. The assembled product is then shipped to a retailer or a distribution center, and then it is sold in a retail establishment that has staff and employees, and then the business overarching also has people on salary who manage advertisement. They manage all of these minutiae. All these people are getting paid as well. So if we divide all of these steps into the cost of the product, then you can kind of discern easily whether the people who are producing it are getting paid. So that is part one, the human cost of fast fashion. Ceramics are another thing that can't be really made by 
machines. Those are also handmade. You'll notice slight imperfections, little differences. Even if you go to somewhere like Crate and Barrel, they're still all made by hand. Even if they're cast, the cast is done by hand. Another thing that I've heard cannot be done by a machine is weaving baskets. A lot of these things that we picture, the low cost coming from machines, it's actually not true. People allow that story to be perpetuated because it kind of alleviates that question mark or that guilt in our minds. But a lot of the things that we assume are made by machines actually are not able to at this point. Machines are not very dexterous, they're not very accurate, and humans still are involved in the majority of the production of most products. And I think that this kind of addresses the human rights aspect of conscious consumerism, but there are so many other facets that are important as well. The second facet that I always think about is environmental. When we're thinking about the environmental cost of a product, I think it breaks into three primary components. The raw materials and how they were collected, the shipping and how many places it was shipped globally to reach us, and the end of life cycle. That means like when it ends up in a landfill, does it break down? How long does it last before it hits the landfill? Um, all of that aspect. So those three components contribute, in my mind, uh, to the primary carbon footprint environmental factor aspect. A lot of people, when they think about a sustainable product, they think about the end of life cycle and how it decomposes. And I think that that's really important. I think that limiting plastic is extremely crucial. But I think it's just one piece of the puzzle. I recently watched a documentary that was talking about the deforestation that IKEA has run rampant upon the rainforests moving from one zone to the next as it deforests um, an environment to produce fast furniture. So we talk a lot about fast fashion. We don't talk as much about fast furniture even though it is equally destructive because it's just not in the zeitgeist right now. So Ikea is a prime example of that where the furniture is designed to be disposed of. And I think that there is a role for this, but I think that if we can be aware of it, right, coming back to the conscious part of conscious consumerism, we can make better choices and we can make a big impact. Because I think a lot about the fact that if we all view ourselves as a drop in a bucket and our choices don't matter, we're not going to really be able to impact change. But if we all really take in the fact that we are that drop in the bucket, if we all are doing that simultaneously, the bucket fill, fills up and our choices will be heard. Because the thing that we really have to remember is that we are voting with our dollar. People who care about profits only care about profits. If we tell them through the numbers that this is what we want, we want to pay more for something that lasts longer, they'll give it to us. But if we keep going along thinking that our choices don't matter, nothing's going to change. This is an episode that I have put off making for a really long time because I knew that there was no way to convey all of the information that I've accumulated over the past decade and a half 
in one episode. There's no way that I can explain to you how every single industry works, how every single product is made, and how to shop more effectively. But I think that the last thing I really want to focus on is how to be a conscious consumer, especially if you aren't wealthy. So to me, the most guilt-free way to shop is secondhand. Secondhand shopping is absolutely amazing. You're going to get the most unique pieces. You're going to find some really high quality things for a really good deal. And you can also shop fast fashion secondhand and get those cute styles without having that question mark and having that guilt. Because I think that extending the lifetime of a product, even if it's a cheap product that's badly made, is a really wonderful and positive thing. Keeping things out of the landfill for a couple more years or even a couple more months is really a worthwhile pursuit. You can also get affordable furniture um, through like Facebook Marketplace, which again, like Facebook is awful, but they do provide this sustainable avenue. So that's an option. Um, Just kind of this whole focus on not being perfect, just doing what you can with where you're at. And I think that there are a lot of great thrift stores you can go to, estate sales, yard sales, finding stuff for free on the sidewalk. You know, I'm moving, I'm getting rid of a lot of stuff. I put it all in my lobby and my neighbors pick it up. And that's really great for me because I have a lot of guilt and I hold on to things for a long time because I don't want to put them in the landfill. So putting things on the sidewalk and continuing that karma is really nice. And I think just trying your best. If you're shopping fast fashion, just make sure that it's something that you're going to be able to wear for multiple seasons, possibly multiple decades, something that you can really style a lot of ways, get a lot of use out of because most people, there was like a study done and most Americans throw out an item after wearing it seven times. So if you can try and wear it 40 or 50 times, I think that's great. I think that If you can just bring a mindfulness and bring a awareness to the fact that someone made this item and this isn't just something you can grab for today and throw it out tomorrow, I think that's what's important to take away. There's always documentaries that you can watch. There's always information you can glean. But I think just being thoughtful and always being open to learning and not being shut off by guilt and shame and feeling of powerlessness That's what's important. So I hope that you think about where things come from, think about where things are going, and don't get turned off to the idea because it makes you feel shame or guilt or whatever. Because if we buy into this all or nothing thinking and think, I can't do everything, so I'm going to do nothing, I don't know. It's just a real bummer. So I love you so much. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. If you enjoyed it, please leave me a rating and a review. And feel free to follow me on Instagram at Polaris Jewelry and check out my work at PolarisJewelry.com.